A Chodesh Tov to all of you. We dedicate this morning's shir as a schus, a continued schus, the Rufuah Shlema for Ariel Noam ben Yuta Gittel. And we also have in mind Rivka Esther Basliba, who is undergoing a procedure this morning, and we hope that that will be the Rufuah Shlema for her as well. Uh, just to remind everybody, next week and the following week, we're going to be in Camp Simcha. I'm going up tomorrow, so we will resume the following Tuesday, Amir Hashem. So that's in three Tuesdays from today. And then we will have our summer series. So what I wanted to talk about today was something that I think is very relevant to this time of the year. Many, many people will be going on vacations throughout the next couple of weeks. And what is the hashkafa? What is the Torah's perspective about vacations? And are there some pointers, some things that maybe we can keep in mind when planning our vacations? and when going away with our families or perhaps our friends. So we begin with the Mishnah and Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah and Pirkei Avos gives a list of 48 kinyanim, the Memches Kinyane HaTorah, 48 different character traits that are described that are in some way necessary for a person to properly be Mekabel the Torah. And each one of them focuses on a specific area of personal growth and personal development and perfection, and in the list, among the other things that are listed there, in the list of 48 kinyanim, the Mishnah says that we're supposed to have miut sicha and miut shena. We should have limited speech and limited sleep, which the simple understanding <coughs> of that Mishnah is that if a person spends too much time talking and gossiping with other people and you're going to be spending your time not really focused on the things that are important to be spending time on, then your time for learning Torah and for growth is going to be severely, severely compromised. Similarly, if somebody is going to spend too much time sleeping, then the, the potentially productive time that they could have had doing lots of other things is going to be wasted and compromised as well. So the Mishnah says, one should try to limit both their hours of sleep, as well as the idle chatter and speech throughout the course of the day, in order that they should have the requisite amount of time left to do other things that are far more productive. And that will bring us to a successful life of uh, Torah growth. However, if you look at the commentary of the Teferis Yisrael, who is one of the most important commentaries on the Mishnayis, he writes a very novel interpretation that really has a very different idea to what the Mishnah means. He says, sometimes... We observe a youthful personality who becomes so enthused and so enthralled with Torah study and then their youthful excitement, they decide that they are going to the extreme. They're not going to sleep. They're not going to eat. I'm sure you've seen maybe some of your own children have gone to Israel for the year and they come back and they're 30 pounds. Some of them are 30 pounds heavier than when they left. And some of them are 30 pounds skinnier than when they left because they really were not taking care of themselves. Maybe it's because they just didn't have mom's cooking, but really because some of them go to the extreme and they think the way to grow properly is to make sure that I don't eat, that I don't sleep normally. But what the Teferis Yisrael writes is that the Mishnah teaches us that a healthy Torah-oriented person has to make sure that they have miyot sicha and miyot shena. It does not mean that they limit their sleep, but rather... They have to make sure that they get a minimal amount of sleep. They have to make sure that they have a minimal amount of conversation with other people. They have to have conversations. You cannot be only focused on your studying, on your growth. That's going to be a very unhealthy 
recipe for one to be able to grow as a healthy Torah Jew. And a person needs to make sure to have a healthy outlet and to have a channel where they have the ability to relax a little bit and to have other perspectives that come into their lives as well. And that says that the Torah Israel is really what the Mishnah means to teach us. To be too intense and too excessive is very unhealthy. My father writes in one of his svarim that there's a Gemara Masechas of Adazara. Amar of Yehuda Amarav. The Gemara there describes that the day is made up of 12 hours. As we know, the day is 12 hours long. So says the Gemara, 12 hours, how do we spend it? Everybody spends it however they decide to spend it. But then the Gemara asks, how does HaKadosh Baruch Hu spend the 12 hours of his day every day? Which is an interesting question. I would have said, it's none of my business. I don't ask you what you do during the 12 hours of your day. So why are we busy trying to figure out what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does with the 12 hours of his day? But be it as it may, the Gemara says that we have an accounting of how HaKadosh Baruch Hu spends every hour of his day. So first hour of the day, says the Gemara. Shalosh HaRishonos, I'm sorry, the first three hours, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Yosheva Osek Torah. The Ribbon Shalolam sits and learns Torah for three hours every day. The second set of three hours, Yosheva Don Eskal HaOlam Kulo. God looks around at the world. And he judges the world. Now, I think it would take us a lot more than three hours, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Gemara says it takes him three hours to look around at what's happening, to get a sense of where things are holding, how people are doing. Three hours. Once he starts looking into things and he realizes how corrupt the world is and how terrible a state they are in, and he wants to destroy the world as a result of it, he realizes, you know, that wouldn't be a good idea. Baruch then shifts perspective and he says, you know, I should have Rachmanus on the world because really if I were to judge them as they were to be judged, they should all be destroyed. So that's the second three hours of the day. What is the next segment of three hours of the day? Says the Gemara Shlishios. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Yoshev Vizan as HaOlam Kula. Mikarne Re'emim Adbitze Kenim. Says the Gemara, the third segment of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes sure that he gives sustenance to all of humanity and to all of habitat. So all the animals, all the plants, HaKadosh Baruch Hu figures out how to make sure everybody has exactly what they need and he makes sure of that. Okay, so do the math. Everything's done. The world is running. God has judged the world. God has taken care of everybody and he's learned Torah, but you have four hours left. What does he do with the remaining four hours of the day? I'm sorry? Make Shaduchim. And that's part of taking care of everybody's needs. Right? So what does God do the rest of the day? Says the Gemara, listen to this. What is in the fourth segment of the day? Yoshev umesachek im halavyasan. It needs an explanation. But it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu spends time playing with the Leviasan. What exactly is the Leviasan? I have no idea. But it's some kind of mystical creature. And it says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu spends time playing with the Leviasan. What is this Gemara all about? Rav Salavechik commented that perhaps what the Gemara is teaching us is in so many different aspects of our lives we are expected to be Mahu Af'ata. We are expected in some way to reflect the behavior of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
So the Gemara gives very concrete examples. Mahu Racham Lechanon, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is caring, compassionate, and sensitive, and really caring about other people, so too we should also have that kind of perspective when we deal with other people. And the Gemara says, Mahu Malbisharumim, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes sure to give clothing to those who don't have, to take care of the underprivileged, so too we should also go out of our way to do the very same. Rav Salavechik said, maybe it goes way beyond that. Maybe we should look at this Gemara and realize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a very intense day. And he's Yoshev Adonis Kala Alam Kulom, and he takes care of everybody's needs. And after he's all finished with that, he's Yoshev Umesachik Im and he takes some time, leisure time. And that's also a model for us to learn from. That it's healthy for a human being who has a very intense life, who has a very intense day, to also know how to take it easy a little bit, how to do it properly, how to do it in a healthy way, in a proper way. In Parshas Bamidbar, the Torah speaks in great detail about the breakdown of the Jewish people throughout their journey in the Midbar as they were traveling toward Eretz Yisrael. And as we know, there were 12 Shvatim. Each of them had their own specific place where they were supposed to be. Each one had their own flag. Each one had their own Nasi, their own highly distinguished leader. And throughout the 40 years in the desert, everybody traveled exactly in their clearly defined space where they were supposed to be, equidistant from the Aaron and the Luchos, everybody around. And the Torah says, Kasher yachanu so ish al As they, yachanu means as they rested, so, so they traveled, everybody was in their proper place at all times. That's what the Pasuk really means to say. I saw an insight into this Pasuk, which obviously is not the literal interpretation, but a beautiful one nonetheless, where perhaps one can suggest that it has been psychologically proven, it has been emotionally proven, that a person who gets the proper amount of rest and relaxation will have the ability to be more productive the next day. A person who knows how to balance their lives, how to create a schedule where they're able to do things, obviously in a highly productive manner, but always knowing when they need a little bit of a break, somebody who knows how to build a healthy outlet for themselves, will be able to be very accomplished. While in the short term, it seems that you're not accomplishing, in the long term, you'll have a healthier, more productive life. This, perhaps, is what it means. Kasher yachanu, kein yiso. If I can just ask again that everybody please take one moment to turn off their phones. That will be very helpful. Perhaps that's what it means. Kasher yachanu, kein yiso. Based on the amount of rest that they got, kasher yachanu, so was their ability, kein yiso, so was their ability to effectively travel further, to be able to continue further and be able to be productive in their travels as they moved. But it was essential that the Yachanu was also set up properly. It was essential that we had a place where everybody was comfortable in the place where they rested. That was just as important as the Kenyi So, as the traveling further, as the moving forward, because the only way to have a productive traveling forward is if you know that you have a comfortable place to make sure that you have a chanaya as well. I think in our society, it's very rare that you find a person who has a job that is a nine to five job anymore. It very rarely exists. We are expected to be on call all the time. And after a very exhausting day of work, we all know that there's an expectation on many of us, certainly in the rabbinate, but I think it goes for many, many professions, 
that we respond to emails and phone calls and texts and work-related issues at all hours of the day, at all hours of the night, on weekends. There's never a time when we're not expected to be on. You know, we get an email or a text, forget about work, from a relative. I had a cousin who reached out to me last week and he says, is everything okay with your parents? I said, I think so. So he says, well, I've been trying to call them the last two days and they didn't pick up. I'm like, they're very busy people. What do you want? Like, they have weddings. So it was very nice of him. He was trying to call them to wish the mazel tov. My nephew got engaged. Really nice. But, it, you know, the expectation that we're always on call, that we're always there to answer everything. I cannot tell you how many times I have been texted by a person. I've said this over. Somebody will call me or text me. And within five minutes of my not responding, I'll get a different medium of them reaching out to say, is everything okay? Are you around? Are you available? Like, I saw your text. I saw your phone call. I'm still on the other line. It's only five minutes from the first time you reached out. But then I get an email. I called and I texted and I emailed and you didn't respond. Is everything okay? Like, maybe your phone doesn't work. So this is the expectation that people have of us. And our society expects us to be on all the time. And we live in a very fast-paced world with a tremendous expectation of how we're going to be integrating with other people. And it's very, very important. Kasher yafanu ken yiso. Every so often, to just say, stop. I'm not going to engage. I'm not going to engage. I don't know if you're aware. There are initiatives in our neighborhood and across the United States. It's called TAG. It's for an awareness of technology. It's not for children. It's for adults. We are the problem, not our children. We are the problem. Let's be honest. We are the problem. Our kids see that we're not attentive because we're so busy on our phones, because we're so busy responding to everyone the second they write to us. It's, it's a problem. We are having a, a major community awareness event in Chodesh El. And you say, during Chodesh El, we should be talking about other things. We should be talking about tshuva. But I really firmly disagree. I think one of the major things we should talk about during Chodesh El is how we use our technology. How careful are we about what technology is doing to all of us? And I'm not just talking about inappropriate websites. I'm talking about just how technology has taken over our lives and our relationships. Talk to people who are having major shalom bias issues and see how much of it comes from their technology in one way or the other. It's a real problem. But we're trying to talk about it, at least to raise an awareness. They came up with all kinds of ideas. You know, one idea they had was... When you come home from Shul Matzah Shabbos, no phones on until after Havdalah. Seems very obvious to me. Like, how helpful is that? It's an extra five minutes. But you know what? Five minutes of sitting around with your children after Shabbos is over, maybe is not a bad idea. Let's show our children the first thing we need to do after Shabbos is over is not call our friends. The first thing we need to do after Shabbos is over is make sure our children are okay. Take care of them before we look out what's going on in the world. The world will not fall apart because you didn't check the news the second Shabbos is over. It will still be here. Our involvement is not that important. So again, small initiatives, but things to remind ourselves that although the world has a tremendous expectation of us and our society has a very fast-paced response time, not always do we need to be a part of it. Not always do we need to respond and buy into all of that. And that's Kasher Yafanu. Can you so? And perhaps that's what gives us the opportunity when we have time for vacation, when we have time for leisure a little bit. Yes, I know. 
People make fun that my vacation is going to a more intense place than I am during the rest of the year. It's a little strange, I agree, but for me, it still is a vacation. I'm away from my natural habitat, and it's something that I appreciate, and it's very meaningful to me, but everybody does what works for them, and I think it's just an opportunity for us to break routine a little, and when we break routine, it gives us a chance to just unwind and remind ourselves of the values that are most important to us. At the same time, when the Torah says, Kasher Yachanu so, perhaps it means something deeper also that is not spoken about enough. When a person leaves their home, there is a tendency that we lower the standard of our religious commitment, of our commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we are not in our natural habitat. And what the Torah perhaps means to tell us is, Kasher Yachanu so. The same standard of kashras that you have when you're at home is the uncompromising standard of kashras you need to have when you're away. The same standard of tznius that you have at home, whatever that is, is the same standard you need to have when you go away with your family. There cannot be a discrepancy. I always appreciated Rabbi Billet's perspective when he used to talk about before family vacations and before Yom and Tovim, when people went away, he always used to say, I'm not going to tell anyone what they should wear, what they should do, how they should spend Shabbos or Yom Tov. But if you send your kids to a certain school in this neighborhood, and the schools have a dress code, and that's the expectation that the school has of your kid, then by you sending your child to that school, whatever school it is and whatever that standard is, no one's going to tell you what the standard should be. The school tells you what the standard should be. But whatever school you decided to send your child to is the standard you need to uphold yourselves. Obviously, if it doesn't work for you, then don't send your kids to that school. Let them go somewhere else. But if that's the standard you feel is appropriate for your children to be upholding because the school expects it of them, then that's the standard you need to uphold as well. And it means when you go away, you have to at least do what the school expects. We don't say this is the dress code in school, then when we go away, we do something else. We have to uphold. Kasher Yafanu Kenyisel means that every standard that we have in our Shmiras HaMitzvahs has to be the same wherever we are in the world. That's what a commitment means. You don't turn the faucet on and off depending on where you are. It's a commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, whether we're at home or whether we're away. So our standards, our values, our principles, our integrity, all has to be the same wherever we find ourselves. Kasher Yachanu, Kein so is perhaps what the Torah teaches us. I once saw in the Sefer Darki Musr, which is, I, that's not accurate. I never actually saw the Sefer Darki Musr. I saw something quoted from the Sefer Darki Musr. It was on like a handout on the Parsha once, where they have a very interesting mashal from the altar from Kelim. So the altar from Kelim told a story about a group of people who were sitting around having a meal together, and everybody was enjoying, everybody was ordering whatever was on the menu, and they're all having a very nice time. Comes to the end of the meal, and everybody gets up to leave. They all pay. Everybody does what they should. Nine out of ten people left, and one person is stuck behind. Nobody knew what happened. Why is he not leaving? They start calling out to him. Our meal is over, don't you see? Everybody's leaving. They're locking up the restaurant. Till finally one person looks under the table and notices he doesn't have legs. He doesn't have legs. So he can't leave. He needs help. 
And the mashal that he was trying to convey was, we all sit around the table. We all live in a community and we all do certain communal norms. We uphold certain communal standards. The way to really understand what a person is about is when it's time to get up from the table and go somewhere else. Are you a cripple when you go somewhere else, when you leave the table? Like the Nabi says, Lechu banim shimuli, which is the strange choice of word. HaKadosh Baruch Hu should say to us, Bo banim shimuli, come and listen to me. But the intent of the Torah's formulation of that is, Lechu banim shimuli, when you're on the go, when you're somewhere else, when you're out of your natural routine, when you're on the way, when you're on the road, do you have the ability to listen to the voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu even when you're far away, even when you go somewhere else? Now, we live in a generation where it's so much easier to do this than ever before. We have kosher food in so many different locations, you just have to plan accordingly. We have supermarkets that will pack things up for you. We have the ability to have a standard of kashrus that is going to be upheld. But if you go to a place where you don't have that, somebody just texted me from a very remote location. He was there on a vacation and he writes to me, you know, I thought I was going to be able to eat the bread here, but it turns out no bread has any hashkafa, so what am I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? You should find out beforehand. That's what you're supposed to do. What do you want me to do? What should I tell you? I don't know how to make bread. So I called the OU. I said, look, maybe bread is just universally okay everywhere. I have no idea. And they said, no, bread is not universally okay, but he can definitely eat fruits and vegetables wherever he is. So I feel bad for him that he has to resort to eating fruits and vegetables and and a very limited diet. But at the same time, you got to think about this beforehand. You can't get into a Bidyevit situation and then say, oh, I'm starving. You know, you're... uh, you're supposed to think about this before. We all need to eat. And we knew that before we left, that we need to eat. So how are we going to make sure that we have the ability to do that? Now again, as I said, so many communities have a Chabad and have the ability to make a provision for ourselves. But we need to plan in advance. We need to make sure that we are l'chubanim shimuli. We don't want to be the ones who are found to be that crippled, who when they go on the run, when they're no longer in their natural habitat, it's a totally different life. But that is the test. That is exactly the test of our commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Rambam and Hilchus Deus outlines the day, the perspective, and I guess the mindset of every Jew. Now says the Rambam, I find this really fascinating. The Rambam writes, Shema Yomer Adam. Maybe a person will say, Since we know that a person who is a Baal a person who is always trying to satiate their desires is really not a Torah concept. It's not such a great thing to do. Maybe, says the Rambam, I should go to the extreme. Maybe I should be radical about it and I should totally distance myself from anything that has to do with somebody indulging in any worldly pleasure. Maybe that's the way I should live my life. Says the Rambam, Maybe I shouldn't get married. Maybe I shouldn't eat meat. Maybe I shouldn't drink wine. No, I shouldn't buy a nice house. I shouldn't furnish my house. Don't wear nice clothing. Just, you know, you should walk around like a schlepper. You should sleep in the park. You should really eat the minimal amount that you can find. will be able to sustain yourself. Says the Ramam Hareze. 
Derech Rahi, Va'asr Lelechba. That's not the right way to live life. That's not the appropriate takeaway message of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants of us. Hamahalach Baderech Zeh, says the Rambam. In fact, somebody who chooses to live that kind of life, Nikrachote. Not only is it not the right way, but he says, you are called somebody who does an Avera. How am I doing an Avera? What am I doing wrong? So the Rambam proves it. As we know, the Torah introduces us to the concept of a Nazir. A Nazir is one who says, I'm going to abstain from certain pleasures of life. In doing so, the Torah refers to that person as a chote. What do you mean? God put wine into the world. Why are you telling yourself I'm not allowed to have wine? Again, it should be in proper measure. We should all do it responsibly. But if God put a pleasure in the world, it means it's there for us to enjoy in the right way. Says the Rambam, the answer is not go to the extreme and never get pleasure again. So therefore, says the Rambam, There are enough restrictions that the Torah gave us. You don't need to find extra ones. Says the Rambam, don't take new things upon yourself. Be moderate. And therefore he says that a person should make sure to have the right balance. Now, what I find fascinating about this is, the Rambam then says, adam kulam Whatever I do in life, I should always aspire to understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu's place and what it is that I'm doing. Now, what is the primary example that he gives of that? I would say, if I was writing this, I would say, when I daven, I should realize what I'm doing. When I'm saying to Hillim, I should understand what activity I'm engaged in. Who am I speaking to? What am I addressing? No. Listen to the primary example that the Rambam gives. Kishayisa v'yitein. Oyasa malacha. If I own a store and I do business with customers, so when I'm involved in masa umatan, when I'm involved in exchange, in business, it's the primary example the Rambam gives. When I'm doing so, says the Rambam, Lo belibo, what should my mindset be when I go to work every day? Why am I doing this? Says the Rambam. What I should think is, Lo belibo kibbutz mamon bovat. Of course, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I probably wouldn't have to do business. So I wouldn't go to work. So one of the reasons why I'm going to work is because I need money. Makes sense. We all need money. So says the Rambam. Don't only have in mind that the reason I'm going to my store and the reason I'm engaging with customers is because I want to make sure that I have money and all I want to do is accumulate great wealth. You can have that in mind, but says the Rambam, don't only have that in mind. Think about the next step. Just take it one step further. I want to make money, but why do I want to make money? Making money is not the tachlis. Being rich is not the tachlis. Says the Rambam, why do I want to make money? Because I have a family to take care of. Because I have a body that needs to be sustained. And whatever that means for you. If that means I need to sign up to go to the gym, then that means I need to make money in order to take care of my body by going to the gym. If it means that my body needs X, Y, and Z foods, then the reason I'm going to work is because I need to take care of my body. Because I need to take care of my family. There's a noble purpose in everything I'm doing, says the Rambam. Can you turn around at everything you do in life and ask yourself, why am I doing this? 
It's not just because I need to make money, because I want to be rich, because I want a status. It has to be something just a little beyond that. I need money because. What's the because? Maybe the because is I want to give stuck up. I want to help other people. I love helping other people. And therefore, I will never retire till the day I die because I love to make money, not because I like to be rich, but because I like to do good things with my money. All of that, says the Rama, makes every moment of life and every experience a noble experience. And this is quoted the halacha in the Shulchan Aruch as well. Says the Rambam even further, When somebody is involved in eating, when somebody is drinking, when somebody is intimate with their spouse, Of course, these are pleasurable activities, but that's not it. I'm doing it only because I like to have pleasure. I'm doing it because this is a basic human necessity. And if God put me in the world and He wants me to be healthy, He wants me to take advantage of the basic human needs that all of us have, men and women. And that's very acceptable, and that's the way it should be. So the Rambam frames it by saying, don't think that the greatest Jew is the one who abstains from all of this. That's not life. Life is to engage in all of this. But to think while doing so, why am I doing this? To do it because I want to make sure that I remain a healthy, stable, balanced human being that has everything that I need to live a life serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu the way I'm supposed to. That's why I do it. And that goes for a person at every stage and every juncture and at every interaction that I have in my life. I can say this. I'm doing this business activity because I want to be able to have the proceeds of it to do whatever it is, to do something, to do something positive. And even if it means to be able to go on my vacation, but why am I going on my vacation? I'm going on my vacation because... I need to be healthy, I need to rejuvenate, I need to regroup with my own family, I need to make sure that I'm able to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu properly. It's so easy. It just takes a little bit of mindfulness to think about this and to give us the proper perspective, as the Rambam says. You know, we, we are all familiar with the fact that the first Nisayon of Avram Avinu that is recorded in the Chumash is Lech Lecha Me'artzacha El Ha'aretz Asher Areka. But what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu say in the very next words? Of course, it's very jarring to tell a person, drop everything you have and leave it all behind. And I want you to go to a land where I'm not really going to tell you where it is, nondescript. I don't really know what's there. I don't know how I'm going to get there. But just go. Trust me. Just go. That's very hard. But what are the next words that HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him? Anybody know? What are the next words? Ve'e'escha legoi gadol. Don't worry, I'm asking you to do something very difficult. I'm asking you to leave your family behind. I'm asking you to leave all the comforts of your own home behind. I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but I promise you. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make sure that your name will be known to everybody all over the world. You are going to be the icon of the world. You're going to be the person that everybody looks to. Everyone's going to hear about Avram Avinu. So now I ask you, says the Arachayim HaKadosh in his commentary on Chumash, is that really an Isayon? Is that really an Isayon? Ask yourself, if you were to be challenged 
by HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. We're not talking about somebody tells you that maybe God said this. No. God would actually appear to you. And you would have no doubt in your mind that it was God himself. So, I don't have those kinds of scenes. But imagine, if God came to you, and it wasn't in a dream, and it's not something that you thought maybe I heard something wrong. No. God communicated directly with you and said, I know what I'm asking you is very difficult. I know you live here in the five towns and you have a beautiful life, but I'm asking you, please move to Guatemala tomorrow. And it's hard. And I don't want you to sell off your house and I don't want you to do anything before you leave. Just drop everything and leave. And I know you don't speak the language there. I don't even know what they speak. Spanish? I know you don't speak Spanish. And I know that you really have no context there and there is no Chabad to help you. You're going on your own. And you're leaving all your money in the bank accounts here, never to be seen again. It's hard. But I promise you, God says, every single human being in the world will hear about you. You're going to be given, once you get there, everything you can ever imagine. I promise you that I will give you wealth and riches and a family, and not just a family, the greatest family of all of human history. Everything's going to be fine. Right now it's a tough decision, but I promise you, God says, I'll pay it up to you. Now, if a human being told us that, how are we to trust them? It's not in my capacity to give somebody everything. You never know what could happen. But if God promised that to me, that's not a challenge. That's not a nisayon. What was the nisayon of Lech Lechamei Artsacha? We get stuck on the first Pesach. We forget about what happened afterward. That's not a nisayon. That's easy. Who wouldn't sign up to that? Sign me up. I'll be Avram Avinu. I'll be the great hero. What's the problem? Writes the Arachayim HaKadosh. You know what the nisayon of Avram Avinu was? The challenge of Avram Avinu was when I promise you that I'm going to give you all of these riches and all of this wealth and all this great family and everything that one can ever imagine for the perfect utopian life, now ask yourself, why am I going? Am I going because HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me? Or am I going because I love to be wealthy and famous? Why am I going, says the Arachayim. That was the test. That exactly was the Nisayim. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu overwhelmed him with so much the question was, can you see through all of that and realize what's the tachlis of what I'm doing? What's the purpose of why I'm being asked to go? The purpose is not to get rich. That's a side point. The purpose is not to be famous. That's going to happen by itself. The purpose is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Lech lecha me'artzacha mimoladatacha. And that, says the Arachayim HaKadosh, is a tremendous nisayon. That is extremely difficult for a person to be able to do. I saw a very interesting comment to the Malbim. As we know, David HaMelech, his whole life, wanted to build a base Amikdash, and he was making all kinds of plans how he's going to figure out how to build it properly. At some point, David HaMelech has told the unfortunate news, you are not going to build the base Amikdash. As much as you have invested and as much as you have tried, you are not going to be the one who is blessed with building the base Amikdash. Your son Shlomo will, but you will not. 
So the Torah, the, the Sukkim, give us a reason why David HaMelech was not privileged to build the base Hamikdash. It says, Yedechem damim aleyu. You were involved in too many wars, you killed too many people, and of course, you did it all in the context of Melchemist Mitzvah, you were trying to save the Jewish people, but still, not appropriate that that person who spilled so much blood should be the one to then build a Beis Amigdash. That's not a foundation we want for a Beis Amigdash. Okay, be it as it may, David HaMelech loses out. The Malbim writes his own interpretation as to why David HaMelech was not allowed to build a Beis Amigdash. David HaMelech was promised by the Navi that the moment the Beis Amigdash is built, everything's going to be fine. You know, we read Tehillim very often. When you go through Sefer Tehillim, you realize David HaMelech's life was the most tragic life. He couldn't catch a break. He was Melech Yisrael, and we still talk about him today, but he was being run after, he was being neared off by his enemies, by his children, by his rebellions, by all these wars, by everything. His brothers didn't believe in him. We just said in Hallow this morning, Even You know what that's a reference to? David HaMelech. Everybody laughed at that little stone. But in the end, Me, David HaMelech, all my brothers laughed at me. And in the end, I ended up being the foundation of the Jewish people. He was the head, the leader of the Jewish people. Nobody imagined. In fact, the Navi describes that when they were trying to identify exactly which one of the sons of Yishai was supposed to be the Melech, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, go to Yishai, he has a number of sons, one of them is going to be the king. Shows up, starts looking around at this family, and tries to make an assessment of who is going to be the Melech. And he sees one of them is extremely charismatic, very well spoken, oh, this must be him, God says, no, not him. Oh, must be this one, must be the other one. Goes through all the different sons, and Yishai says, I'm sorry, that's all I got. So, who is it supposed to be? Are you sure that's all you got? Yeah, I mean, come on, we have one little shepherd who's out in the field. We don't even, like, pay attention to him. He's playing around in the sandbox, whatever he's doing. David HaMelech's own family didn't believe that he was going to be anything. But he ended up becoming David HaMelech. But he had a very, very complicated and difficult life. And that's why I feel Tehillim speaks to us so much when we're going through a tragedy, when we're going through something difficult, because we're listening to the words of a person who is speaking out of pain. So often throughout Tehillim, he's talking about his own life, describing his own experience, and so often it matches the experiences that we go through and the difficult encounters that we engage with. That's why it speaks to us so much. So David HaMelech knew that once the Beis Hamikdash would be built, he would no longer have any of these problems. And the Malbim writes, that's why he couldn't build it. Because he wasn't going to build it for the right reasons. He was only going to build it in order that he should no longer have all of these issues in his life. He needed to just get rid of them. That's not why we build a base on Migdash. You don't build it for your own personal glory and fame. You don't build it because you want to be the one to be known. I built the base on Migdash. You build it because you care to have God back in your life. And the Malbim writes, David HaMelech, there was no way that he can get past all of those personal reasons that were compelling him to build it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know what? We're going to try with Shlomo. Shlomo HaMelech is going to have an easy life. Shlomo HaMelech has really nothing to gain. He's going to come into the Malchus. Everything's going to be set for him. At the time that he takes the mantle of leadership, he has all the money in the world. He has all the power. His father already took care of everything. 
That's the person that should build a base on Mikdash. He has no ulterior motive. He has no part of him that wants to do it for his own purposes, for his own gain. That's the foundation we want for a base on Mikdash. And that says the Rambam is something we have the ability to think about all the time whenever we do something. Why am I doing this? And I think just to take that perspective and consider it when going on a vacation. We all have the right, we're entitled to take time off, to pleasure ourselves, to have leisure time. We should. It's healthy. It's productive. But use it as an opportunity just to think one step beyond that. Why am I doing this? Of course, going to the Bahamas is very exciting. And seeing Hawaii and experiencing it is amazing. All of these things are great. Or whatever you're going to do. I gave extreme examples. Going to Eretz Yisrael is amazing. But why am I going? I'm going because I want to rejuvenate myself to be able to be a better Eved Hashem. It's as simple as that. Of course, am I also going to have a good time? Am I also going to spend time with my family? Am I also going to have the ability to enjoy myself with the people I love most? Yes. And that's acceptable. But just to frame our minds a little bit, that all of this is really also a part, it's an ancillary part of the service to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that is really why we do it, because everything in our lives is part of the service to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. A point that I feel very passionate about is what the Gemara tells us in Maseches Tainus. The Gemara there is talking about something totally unrelated to our discussion. And we find it also in Rashi and Chumash when he describes in Parshas Miketz the children of Yaakov Avinu were a really beautiful family. And at the time that there was a famine all around them, nobody had what they needed. Yaakov Avinu's children were doing pretty okay. Their family was taken care of. And the Psukim tell us that Yaakov Avinu tells his children, Lama Tisra'u. Rashi has a hard time understanding what exactly that phrase means. But Rashi explains in the name of the Medrash Rabbah, what it means is, if you're going to travel to a location where other people are struggling to live life properly because they don't have the food they need, they don't have all of the basic necessities of life, says Yaakov, be sensitive to that. Don't let people look at you and see that you're all a healthy and strong group of family members who are all coming together and you're all proud and everything's going fine for you in your lives. You can't do that. Rashi tells us, make sure you're not nichnas kulam b'pesach echad. You all have to get into the city, but maybe don't all go at the same time. You're going to make too much of a scene. Ten brothers all traveling together. They all look healthy and strong when the whole community is falling apart. Be sensitive. Be careful. Be discreet. Be understanding. That's what Rashi says. And it really finds itself in a Gemara Maseches Tainus. We don't need to post pictures of our vacations. We really don't have to. And not just we don't have to, it's really insensitive. It puts a tremendous amount of pressure on other people who don't have the same opportunities as you have. Take pictures, enjoy. Save the pictures, show them to your children. But why post them? Why would you post it? 
For what? Do you realize the pressure it puts on other families? Forgetting about the lack of sensitivity and the pressure that it causes and the uncomfortable feelings for other people who don't have the same opportunities as you may have. Think about what the Gemara says. The greatest bracha we can have in our lives is when we keep things discreet. It doesn't mean we have to lie. If people ask us, what are you doing? You don't have to say, make up a story. But to go out and proactively share information and pictures and updates and everything. Why? It's so not a Torah way of life. There's nothing about it that's the Torah way of life. It's just not. And Yaakov Avinu tells his own children, Lama Tisro, don't you feel uncomfortable when everybody else in your community is dying of hunger and all of you are healthy and well? Get with the program. Realize what's going on out there. Realize there are those who struggle. There are those who don't have the same privileges that you have. And therefore, when you go into the city, don't all go in together. You're ten men, all members of one family, all healthy. Don't go together. Be sensitive. Let's be sensitive. Be sensitive like Yaakov Avinu. Be mindful. Maybe you don't think about it because maybe you don't have friends who are struggling. But we all know there are members of our community. It's not just members of other communities. There are plenty of members of our community that won't have the same opportunities that you may have. That's the way it goes. Don't just feel bad for them. Proactively do something not to hurt them. Don't post it. Don't talk about it. Go and do what you have to do and enjoy your time and enjoy your family, but be sensitive and be mindful of other people. The Gemara writes in Masechus Brachos Tafchavtes, it has become a very famous Gemara, that Eliyahu Anavi once appeared to Rabbi Yehuda, the, bracha of, the brother of Rabbi Sila Chasida. I don't know who that was. But the Gemara says that Eliyahu Anavi told him, when you go out on the road, what does that mean? Himalech means you should ask. You should ask the one who owns you. Bekonech means the one who owns you. And then you should go. Ask the Gemara. I should ask the one who owns me? What does that mean? Who am I asking permission from? What is that even supposed to mean? Nobody owns me. So the Gemara says, yes. Somebody does own you. That happens to be the Melech Malchei Amlachim who owns all of us. And the Gemara says, this is Tfilas Aderach. Himalech Bekonech would say means you should recite Tfilas Aderach when you leave. Tfilas Aderach is not only a Tfilah, says the Gemara, that we are praying for our own well-being. It is also checking in with the Ribbon Shalolam. Is this the right thing for me to be doing? When I read the Gemara again yesterday, I never realized this. But the Gemara's Lashon here is, We have the wrong impression of what Tfilah Saderach is. We think it's all self-serving. Tfilah Saderach is, I'm going to ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to protect me. The Gemara says it's more than that. It's not just offering a Tfilah, it's asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is this the right thing for me to be doing? When I go away on a trip and I say Tfilah Saderach, maybe take an extra second and ask yourself, am I going to a place where HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to be going? Will I be able to be in Ebed Hashem properly in the place where I'm going to be located? Will I be able to do the things that a good Jew is supposed to do in this experience that I'm about to have? That's Tfilah Saderach. 
That says the Gemara is, Himalech bekonech betzei. Ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu before you go and see, is this something that is appropriate in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Is this something that is right? When we talk about, Losasuru We are told that we're supposed to be careful with what we see. Nowhere in any sitter does it say, women leave that Pasuk out. Right? We all say Kriya Shema every day, men and women. And when we're told, that's men and women alike have restrictions on what they're supposed to look at, what they shouldn't, where they should be, and where they shouldn't. Setting ourselves up for success as people who serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu is important. It's something we talk about every single day, not once a day, but multiple times a day. So it's important to ask ourselves that question. Do we ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu whether he's comfortable with the trip that we're about to take, not only asking him for his mercy to make sure that he protects us, but also asking a question to ourselves, is this something that I can honestly look at Kaddish Baruch Hu in the eye and say, yeah, you'd be very comfortable with the place I'm going. You'd be very comfortable with my destination and with the plans that I made, and you'll be with us on this journey. If not, then why are we saying Tfilas Adar? HaKadosh Baruch Hu should protect us when we're going to do something wrong? Sounds inappropriate to me. Doesn't sound right. So let me just close. It's almost 10.30 with a mashal of the Chafetz Chaim. Chafetz Chaim writes a mashal about somebody who was watching at the gate at the entrance to a city. You see it in Eretz Yisrael often they have a checkpoint. So you have a checkpoint and you notice that every car that passes through has to roll down the window, has a conversation with the officer. And not only do you notice they have a conversation, but there's money being handed over to the officer at the checkpoint. So you're not sure exactly what's going on. You go over and you inquire, what exactly is this checkpoint all about? And the officer says, listen, I'm a pakid memshala. I am hired by the government to make sure that people who are traveling into this country are going to pay taxes on all the merchandise. So we take money from them to make sure that whatever they're buying or selling, whatever it is that they're doing business here, they have to pay a certain tax to the melech, to the memshela, to the government for whatever business they plan to do. Okay, so each small car passes through, pays a few dollars, goes by, and without any incident. As you're standing there, you notice there's a big train, not a train, a big caravan of, of trucks, one after the other, after the other, after the other, 20 trucks in a row. And when they get to the checkpoint, the truck driver just, you know, waves at the officer. The officer opens up the gate. No conversation. No money. And everything just keeps going. So you're very surprised. Somebody who drives a little car has to pay money. Somebody who comes with a caravan of 20 trucks that are probably filled to the gills. 18-wheelers filled with merchandise. They don't have to pay anything. This doesn't make sense. So you approach the officer and you ask... What happened? How come that truck didn't have to pay any taxes, whereas every little car that passed through, you're charging a tax? And the officer starts to laugh at you, and he says, didn't you see what was on the side of those trucks? No, I actually didn't notice. On the side of the truck is the emblem of the president of this country, of the prime minister of this country. Those are his workers. They don't have to pay a tax. They are the government. 
They are the prime minister. They are the president. Who are they going to pay a tax to themselves? Of course they don't have to pay. They are the ones carrying the merchandise of the Melech himself. They don't pay a tax. Says the Chafetz Chaim so beautifully. Here we are in Olam Hazeh. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us in this world which is so beautiful. And we have an opportunity to enjoy everything that the Ribbon Shalom created in our world. But realize, there's a tax we need to pay for every pleasure we have. There's a tax we need to pay. Who is exempt from paying the taxes? The one who has an emblem on the side of their caravan, on the side of their truck, that says, I am an Ebed Hashem. The one who has the presidential seal on them at all times doesn't have to pay taxes because who am I going to pay taxes to? I am a representative of the king. Says the Chafetz Chaim to realize that throughout every experience that we have in our lives, we have the opportunity to enjoy and to relax and to take pleasure in all the different opportunities that this world gives us as individuals and as families and as communities. But to realize that doing all of that should be with a perspective of of course you should enjoy. But make sure when doing so that you travel with the emblem of the king on you. And if that's something that you always have as a major part of everywhere you find yourself, then there's no reason to pay a tax. That's why, says the Chafetz Chaim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu instructed us to make a bracha before we eat. Otherwise, you have to pay for it. Who are you to take pleasure from this world? Your payment is, you're recognizing that I am somebody who is subservient to the king. I'm somebody who's a part of this kingdom. I am a representative of the king himself. And therefore, I have a right to eat this orange. I have a right to take pleasure in whatever it is that I'm about to do. We make brachos throughout today to remind ourselves, I am an Eved Hashem. Kol ma'asai l'shem shamayim. Enjoy your dinner. Enjoy your restaurant. Enjoy whatever it is that you're doing. But realize... That if you don't do it with the perspective of being of being a person who understands that the reason why I'm doing all of this is that I should be a healthy and functioning Ebed Hashem to be able to serve Him properly and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to be Kasher Yachanu Keni So wherever I travel the Rebona Shalom is going to be comfortable with me on my vacations in every decision that I make He Malech Bekonech say. Ask yourself, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu there with you at every stage, at every juncture, at every plan that you have? If that's not the perspective you have, then says the Chafetz Chaim, you have a tremendous amount of tax to pay. You're going to have to pay a price for all of this involvement in Alam Hazeh that you have had. But it's so easy to shift that perspective. It's so easy to change that mindset and to make ourselves the ones who carry the emblem of the Ribbon HaShelodam. Yihirasam. We should all have the opportunity, wherever we will find ourselves, wherever we may travel, whatever recreation we may have, to always make sure that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will be comfortable with Ma'asei Adein. HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs to be a part of everywhere we go, of every aspect of our lives, of every decision that we make, of every trip that we find ourselves on, of every location that we are in. The Ribbonu Shalom travels with us. Kasher Yachanu, Kein so, And we have the ability to be mindful of his presence. We have the ability to be mindful of this 
pleasure that he gave us in this world, this unbelievable privilege that we have to enjoy his world, to do it all just with a mindset, with a perspective, with an understanding of why it is that we do everything we do, of how it is that we do everything that we do. I wish all of you safe travels, an amazing time. And I look forward to learning once again.